It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly faux-free edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com Digital Sports Commerce Center. He's Rick Broering, fresh back from Urban Meyer's Chop House, where he too got a lap dance two nights ago. Rick, how was it? Uh, actually, I was the one getting goosed. It, people didn't see it in those <laughs> pictures, but that was actually me. Oh, well, you know, what, what can I tell you? You and Herbs. I've told you, I've been slimming down. Well, there, there you, I, I, you know, I, I, I thought you might, might have liked Herbs from afar for a long time. I just didn't realize how much. Yeah, no, he has great hands. Wow, he's, yes, he does. He's very sensitive. So we'll talk more about that for sure as we go along in this podcast. But let's start with some Bengals talk, shall we? The Bengals. Yes are 3-1 and one after last Thursday's win over Jacksonville. They're heading into Sunday's game against the Green Bay Packers, who are also 3-1. and one. Skinny, we're going to find out a lot more about this team in this game, but do you think the Bengals' 3-1 and one record is more about a team that has turned it around, or is it about a team that's faced an easy schedule through the first four games? I think it's a little of both. Um, you know, if if you want to be fair, the, the three wins have come over teams that are 2-10 combined, and two of those wins were by three points, one in overtime. So in fairness... Yeah, it's come a little schedule related, um, but I also think this is a better football team too because uh, the, they found ways to win those games as opposed to the last couple of years where they just couldn't win any games for the most part. Um, and I think that does build some confidence. And now you get a take chance to take a big swing against a, a really good team. And I think the other thing is you get a chance to do it um, with basically all hands back on on deck on defense. So there, there's no built in excuses. I think when you come out of Sunday, you go. This Bengals team is for real, and it's got a good chance to, to do something more special than we thought, or it's this is still a team that's a work in progress. Yeah, they're going to beat the teams on the schedule they should. Probably not going to beat too many they shouldn't, and it's still going to end up where we thought it was going to be seven, eight wins. But you win this game with two really winnable games after this in Detroit and the Jets, then I think you start thinking playoffs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you win this game, all of a sudden it changes the tone of the start of the season and what the season is about. It's no longer, can you get slightly better and start building towards a window in the next year or two? It is the windows open right now. And this team has a chance to compete right away. And they'll suddenly become one of the NFL's more interesting turnaround stories. If they don't win this game, I don't necessarily think it says, well, see, they were a fluke. They, th- those yeah, first four games didn't count at right, all. Right. I-, I think they've definitely gotten better, but it- it's more about, how much better. And I don't know if this game says everything, but I think one thing that I'm definitely looking for is the biggest complaint that I've had. And, and I think a lot of people have had through the first four games is that the offense has been so conservative that they've been really conservative during the first halves and put themselves behind the eight ball in three out of the four games. I'm anxious to see, does that stay the same against the Packers or is it, hey, they've played this conservative style. They've kept it low scoring. They've given their defense a chance and they've put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands at the end of games. And that's going to be their formula. And if it works against the Packers, by all means, keep doing it. I'm not going to say another word about Zach Taylor's play calling and their strategy if what they've done works against the Packers. My hunch is you better not get off to a really slow start against the Packers the way you did against the Jaguars, though. Yeah, I think I think Joe Burrow said it best this week. He said if we get off to the start we did against Jacksonville, we'll be behind 21 nothing. And right. you know that's not a great place to be against that football team. Yeah, I, I'd love to see them come out early and take a shot deep and 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 say, hey, this is what we do on occasion, and and maybe push some tempo and and get something going. They've only scored seven first quarter points. 
I've asked the question of Zach this week. I asked it of Joe Burrow this week of, of if they could put their finger on it. And I got the whole, oh, I just got to execute better on first and second down to make it better on third down and execute on third. I know that, but there's, there's got to be something to it. I don't know if it's, are you in a feeling out process in that first quarter? And that's why you've had such great success in the second half of you've kind of decided, all right, let's, let's probe and see what we've got here and we can adjust as the game goes along and then really kind of finalize some stuff at halftime and come out with all guns a blazing in the third quarter. Cause we've got a feel for this. Um, or, you know, maybe, it, maybe it is just the, the coincidence of needing to execute better. Maybe that is the, 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 the all, all knowing, but for whatever reason, seven points in, in four games in the first quarter is, is not a good recipe to beat good teams. You don't beat good teams usually doing that. Joe Burrow, when I when you look at the stats, I think uh, Daner posted this stat this week. Joe Burrow is 30th in the NFL in dropbacks per game right now, or dropback percentage, whatever it is. That is something you do when you have one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, or when you have maybe like a, a Ryan Tannehill and a Derrick Henry situation where your running back is so much more supremely talented in the focus of your team than your quarterback. It's not something you do when you have Joe Burrow. So to me, it's pretty obvious why they've gotten off these slow starts. It's because they don't let him throw the ball enough. They run on second and 17 sometimes. Like that's why they've been getting off these slow starts. So can you yeah, change but, that or not? Yeah. See, I don't mind them not dropping Joe Burrow back a bunch. I thought they absolutely but skinny, abused 30th it. in the uh, NFL. He's the, I'm, he's a top five quarterback possibly. Well, but, but let's, re- let's remember a couple of those games. You did turn to Joe Mixon, especially the Pittsburgh game. It was basically running out the clock for the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, the Minnesota game, Joe Mixon was effective running the football 129 yards would tell you that. So those are two of the games. And the other game, the second game of the season, um, you know, Joe turns it over on three straight plays. So you lose possessions there. Uh, and then this past game, sure, you could argue, but they still opened the game up on their own 10-yard line with a bootleg pass to, to Tyler Boyd for a big, big gain down the field. I, I think a lot of it is, I think they're trying to do a couple of, I think they're trying to protect Joe. I don't doubt that part of it. But I also think if you look at last year, they threw the damn thing way too much and exposed him to too many hits and it finally got him. Yeah, but I mean, the, there's a difference between what was going on last year and what's going on this year, right? Like they were falling behind. They had no chance last year. They had no offensive line last year. And so they were just, chucking it all game because they were down trying to come back. Typical, terrible team scenario. That's not the situation they've been in this year. So you don't have to play like you did last year where teams are pinning their ears back and he's just back there getting massacred 50 times a game. But you also should never have Joe Burrow and this offense be 30th in the league and drop back. Like, And here's what kind of frustrates me about all the beat writers is it's it's everyone wants to – justify what the coaching staff is doing right now. And because they're three and one, I get it. But here's the thing. I don't, what I don't want to hear is when they lose three of the four next four, they struggle during this period when it gets tough is I, I don't want to hear the tone change. All of a sudden everyone come back to it. Well, yeah, like they need, they need to open up more. The play calling needed to be better. We all knew that through the first four games, it's very obvious. Like what they're doing in the first half and the way they're calling plays isn't working. They're not using Joe, Joe Burrow and getting enough out of him the way they should be. So, you know, I see everyone being like efficiency is better than quantity. It is, but it is, it is, it, for it sure. is, but you're beating the Jaguars and the bears and the, the Vikings and the Steelers. Like we'll see if it's really that much better when you play the Packers and when you play the Ravens, when you play the Browns, that's when we'll see if all this conservative stuff is really working. Well, well how did that go in the, in the Chicago game on three straight possessions where he, th- where he threw an interception? How'd that work out? Yeah, I mean, he threw three interceptions. He's a rookie quarterback who's not getting enough chances to drop back. Like, I get it. He responded right after it and threw a couple touchdowns. So, 
he almost came, came brought you back even after that happened. See, I'm a big, and I, I, this is one of my predictions by the before way, the year. The, I, I, the, some of those I, interceptions were on the play calling because they had been dinking and dunking. I, I, and I don't. Cornerbacks drive on them the whole game. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. But I, I wrote before the year, I thought Joe Burrow um, would, would have less yards per game than last year and be more efficient doing that. And I think that's what you've gotten. I mean, three of his, his, his best passing games from a passer rating standpoint of his brief career have all come this year. I think they're being efficient. And I, I will say the last two games, you know, you don't have a weapon out there in T. Higgins. Maybe when you get him back, maybe you do opt to open it up a little bit more early. Maybe it's the fact of, listen, we, we're kind of now a two-wide receiver team for the most part. Uh, you know, they they didn't they don't run it well out of shotgun, so then you got to get under center, and then they started pounding it. Jo- a couple drives, the second drive of that second half against Jacksonville, it was a lot. that was a lot of Joe Mixon running the football, and it worked out great. So I think there's got to be a happy mix here. Maybe... I won't disagree that maybe let Joe throw it a few more times, but I, honestly, I think I think to, I've even argued at times. I don't even know if they get under center and run it enough. To be quite honest with you, I'm asking for a happy mix. That's what I want. I want a happy mix. We're not even close to that. We're uh, we're again we're playing like you've got Ryan Tannehill or worse, and Derrick Henry as your running back, which clearly is not the case. I mean, you built this team to be Joe Burrow throwing the ball to a bunch of weapons. That's what you said all offseason when you drafted Jamar Chase. So right, but but you but you were you're, you're down a huge weapon for the last 2 weeks. Yeah, that's that's fine. I mean again, I, I they're 3 and 1. It's fine now. I'm just not going to sit here and act like everything is fine in the first half of those games and like they're being aggressive enough and like that's going to work against the Packers and Ravens and Browns because it won't. No, I no, I, I don't. I'm not, not going to be the guy I, that changes I, my tune the next three weeks because they're losing all of a sudden. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it will. I think they've done a pretty good job of trying to keep a happy medium between the run and the pass. I mean, some of it is honestly, if you look. They haven't run a lot of plays in games, Rick. Some of it's because um, of turnovers. Uh, some of it's because they've gone three and out where they've missed the third and four. And I think that's where some of it is when they talk about executing. I mean, go to the first drive. You know, they're driving down the field, and, and it wasn't because of a play call that, that that squelched that drive. It's because Jamar Chase pushed off on a pass and got called for interference. Yep. That's not on a play call. That's on. And the kid said, yeah, I did it. I, You know, I went back and looked, and I sure as heck did it. So I, I think there's... I think there are some mitigating circumstances when we look at when we look at all that. Well, I really sure, do. Sure, you, like you've got examples, but so do I. They ran on second and seventeen in that game. They run on. I don't mind that. I never time. mind that. I have a major you, issue with that. Dude, what the hell every are you every doing? Te- every team in the league does that. No, they you're trying don't. to get your yes, they do. Second Rick, seventeen. Rick, you're trying to get yourself in a third and manageable with a five yard run, third and twelve, as opposed to third and seventeen when you have no chance to make a first down. Uh, most coaches I know try to pick up seven yards and go for third and 10, which is where you I will started, guarantee you that, that I, I, I would tell you that the vast majority of teams in second and double digit yardage are running the football. I'd love to look that stat up. I okay. guarantee you that's not true. Mm, okay. And, and most teams do not run on second down period, which the Bengals are doing constantly. So I, I got no problem with it. I wish they'd run it more. I really do. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens against the Packers on Sunday. Meanwhile, well, we're not going to run it much if Joe Mixon doesn't play. I don't know about that. I mean, they seem to love Samaj P. Ryan just as much, so we'll see what happens. Meanwhile, Bearcat fans are still buzzing after UC went to South Bend and put a beat down on Notre Dame 24-13 on Saturday. Skinny, now that the Bearcats have passed the two big tests on their schedule, what do you think about their chances of making the college football playoff? I know the national pundits still don't don't seem to think it, and I, I really respect Heather Dinich from ESPN. She's got her pulse on this thing, and, and she's kind of quashing that whole conversation right now, too. Um I think you got to root for Oklahoma to lose. They they've not won pretty. They've not been very aesthetically pleasing. But I think you would agree with this. Um, I, I think we can go. Let, let's cut to the chase of the teams, right? Alabama and Georgia are virtual locks unless they somehow get 
derailed, and I don't see either one of them getting derailed. The only time they're going to lose is probably to each other in the SEC championship game, and that still is going to get both of them in. We can now eliminate the Pac-10 Pac from, or whatever it is, Pac-12 from conversation after Oregon lost. They're done. The ACC is done. Correct. Now, now you're down to the Big Ten. If somebody gets through that unscathed, be it Michigan or Iowa at this point, I think one loss Ohio State even has to take a take a seat behind UC at this point. Really? He, do you, you think I so? I do. I do. I do. Um, wow. Because yeah. they, they lost they – lost, well, here's the thing. I would ask you this then. One loss Oregon, one loss Ohio State. Who gets in? Ohio State because they didn't lose to Stanford. They lost to a top ten uh, team. They lost that's to Oregon, the com- though. That's how the committee sees it, though. It doesn't matter. But, but, Oregon, they lost, Oregon but, lost they a lost, bad game. But they lost on their home field to Oregon. Oregon lost at Stanford. Big difference. Well, that's what. That's why. That's why. To me, it's a big difference that Ohio State lost to a good team and Oregon lost to a terrible team. But I mean, that, that, Oregon, but that to me, Oregon has they're, no they're both out, yeah. and neither does Ohio State. In my I opinion. disagree with that. I I disagree uh, with that. Well, I mean, if we're if we're counting Oregon out, you have to count Ohio State out. But, you have but, to. But Ohio, no, because Oregon isn't going to have the wins that Ohio State has, and they're not going to have a Big Ten championship win over another possibly undefeated or one loss big time team. I, it's just. Yeah, you would have beaten Ohio State the on their field, and you kicked their. You didn't just beat Ohio State; you beat their ass on their field. Look, I look. I agree with you there, but I'm telling you, Oregon cannot get in after well, losing. Right, well, I'm, and I'm, th- I'm throwing Ohio State out and the Pac-12 out and the ACC out. I'm just saying, if somebody else in the Big Ten, if it's Michigan or Penn State, undefeated, I, they're they're Iowa, in. That's a that's a Michigan third team. State, uh, Iowa and Michigan State both undefeated too. The, yeah, uh, Michigan Michigan State's going to lose. They're 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 having a good year, but they're going to lose a couple for all said. And I done. think both of them will, but all those I, teams are in the mix, and the Big Ten is definitely going to get a team in. I think. Mm, we'll see. So then, to me, it comes down to you've got to root for Texas to beat Oklahoma this weekend. Just get them out of the picture because an undefeated Oklahoma is getting in ahead of an undefeated Cincinnati, yep. even if they don't win as pretty. It's just it's good. That's the facts of the of 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 the of the matter to me. I, agree. I, I do think this. I think an undefeated Cincinnati gets in over a one loss Big Ten. I really do. Maybe uh, the problem. The problem is you've got to make sure all those Big Ten teams have one loss right now. Well, that's right. That's right. Like five of them that are undefeated, and all of them are playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you what. I, I don't think Michigan can ever beat Ohio State. So I think I don't good either. There, but if somehow they do, that team actually does look pretty good right now. I can no, see them agreed. Being a legit contender. No, no, an undefeated Big Ten team gets in. So then yeah. that's what I'm saying. We're coming down then at that point to one spot between an Oklahoma, UC, and honestly, don't sleep on BYU. Believe well, it or that, not. That's what I was going to say. BYU is actually kind of problematic for UC right now because they play a tougher schedule. They do. That's that's the unfortunate part of these next eight weeks. You can't hang your hat on any of these wins, really. And you no. better beat the crap out of some of these people, too, along the way. Yeah, UC needs to run up a lot of style points. Even then, I, I don't know if it's going to be enough in the eyes of the committee. I mean, like you said, Alabama and Georgia are definitely in. So there's two spots you're not getting. Then it's Oklahoma probably has a third right now if you're basing it off today. And then it's that you're probably choosing one of the Big Ten teams if you have to go today. So basically, I think if you're UC, you want Oklahoma to lose and you oh, absolutely. want one of those Big Ten teams to run away with it. Yes, I'll give you that part. If that's the case, then yes, because then then they're the third team and UC could be potentially the fourth team. I think that's a possibility. I think you're more concerned about all of those Big Ten teams being one loss teams and the potential that they're like, oh, God, we got to go Penn State and Ohio State or something like that. Mm. Boy, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just I, I think you're going to get a large outcry across college football landscape if Cincinnati gets left out, if that's the case. Well, they get a large really, outcry really every single year that they do this thing, and somehow no, I, I understand still it. doing it. So, I mean, 
I don't. I think UC should be in. Absolutely. I want. Uh, assuming they go and, and, and I and I'll be honest with you. I, I think, and I know you're not going to, and they're not going to. I think you also got to take the bowl game against Georgia into account. That by God, they stood toe to toe with a team that right now, coming back to next year, is arguably the best team in the country, and they had them beat. It took a fifty some odd yard field goal to beat Cincinnati in that bowl game. And and listen, I know one year doesn't always compare to the next, but there's some carryover to both of those teams, and I think it also proves that. Stood toe-to-toe with one of the best, and, and honestly, they, they can do it again this year, and they deserve the right to do it this year. Yeah, I would be the first to say that this year's Georgia team looks way different than last year's no Georgia doubt. team in no terms doubt. of how they're playing. But that being said, both teams brought a ton back. So if you're yes. looking for a year to take some carryover, this would be the year to do it. Like this, These are the most similar you'll ever see those two rosters probably. So to, to your point, I, I don't think you're entirely wrong there that you can look back to last year and be like, this, te- this UC team is pretty legit. They can hang with an SEC school, they wouldn't go 500 in the SEC like everyone keeps saying. They would, you know, they're better than UK. Look at what you. I was right just, now. I was just, yeah, yeah. I think Kentucky's arguably the fourth best team in the SEC, maybe even the third. And I'd put Cincinnati ahead of them. Yeah, right, right. So I, th- I think that's exactly where it is. They're definitely after Alabama and Georgia, but after that, I think they're right there with anyone else in the SEC this year. So yeah, and if they and if they beat LSU this week, I think you could argue they are the third. Yeah, Kentucky. Yeah. With Cincinnati, I, I think uh, I think it was Dan Wetzel on the Yahoo Sports podcast said it. He's like, we're at a point where you could honestly just see the committee saying it's going to be a three team tournament this year because they, because UC would be the fourth team, and like that's almost how I feel about it. I, I think they should be in if they go undefeated. I want to see them in. I think everyone in America wants to see them in. I feel like everyone that is part of the establishment and part of the power conferences and part of the the committee doesn't want that to happen. It just seems to be the way this goes. Well, because they're not a power five conference. It's that simple. No, they're going to be. They're going, they're going to, be. to be, but they're not quite there yet. I think the only other, other unfortunate circumstance is, is Notre Dame's going to still lose two or three more games. And that, and you're going to look back and go, well, what was their signature win? Huh? They beat a bad Notre Dame team or a mediocre Notre Dame team at their place. Yeah. And that, the, the Indiana win means nothing now. It means nothing now. It really That's, doesn't. You're right. It really hurts them. Yep. Yep. Desmond Ritter finished Saturday's game 19 of 32 passing for 297 yards, two touchdowns, 26 rushing yards, and one rushing TD. DraftKings currently has him with the third shortest odds to win the Heisman at plus 1,200, but there's a huge gap between Bryce Young at plus 120 and Matt Corral at plus 200, and then Ritter. Do you think Ritter has any shot of actually winning the Heisman, Skinny? I I don't, um, and I'm surprised. I saw those odds too, Rick. I was surprised Matt Corral was still that high off the Alabama game. I mean, I would have thought... He would have plummeted. I got a I got a dark horse, and I can't even think of the kid's name off the top of my head. It's the running back at Michigan State. He's like twenty five to one, maybe thirty to one, something like maybe even higher than that. Kenneth Walker. Yeah, Kenneth Walker. Thank yeah, you. Kenneth yeah, Kenneth Walker. Yeah. I'll be honest. I haven't watched Michigan State a lot, so I I can't back you up on that. But I think this is a year where there's a chance that there could be a a dark horse, a name we're not talking about as much, and, and and more importantly, a position player that's not a quarterback that has a chance to win this thing because none of the quarterbacks are wowing me all that much. I guess Bryce Young is probably going to have the yeah. best chance because Alabama's going to they're not they're going. not going to lose, right? They're right. not going to lose. But I, I I think Ritter's only real shot for this is maybe one of these guys or both of them get injured or really, you know, one gets injured and the other just turns into a disaster for a few games. Like Corral, you could see dropping off potentially. Yeah. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm surprised he's number two coming off the way that they lost to Alabama. That to me almost eliminated him right or wrong. Yeah. You would have thought him and Ritter would have been closer this week. I was a little shocked to see such a gap 
between second and third. The, the one question I have is, is it possible that the college football playoff chase will keep UC in the national spotlight enough that if Ritter puts up extremely gaudy numbers against bad AAC teams that people will notice because they're paying more attention to UC than they normally do. That's my only hope that maybe Ritter can, can have a shot because they just don't have any marquee games left. That'll matter. Yeah, no, you and I talked, you know, we, I thought he was a great value before the season, just in case UC did go undefeated. We knew he'd have to be a big part of them going undefeated. Um, and this is not a great year for, I mean, Spencer Rattler's kind of fallen off. He was the preseason favorite, if I remember right, uh, Oklahoma's quarterback. So yeah, there's there, there, and Bryce Young's been really good, but it's just, you know, is it because he's just got a lot around him or is he that good? I mean, I, I think this is a weird year where somebody can pop off the board. I just don't know if, I just don't know if it's going to be Desmond Ritter. I just don't see it happening. I don't think he's going to put up big enough numbers, A. I just don't think that's the way they operate there. And, and B, um, like I said, you're going to look back, and if they don't make the college football playoff and, and the Notre Dame win doesn't look as good, um, he he gets forgotten, to, in my opinion. And it kind of sucks because he's – I've said it before, man. All I know about the guys, that's why I thought they were going to win up at Notre Dame. The, the guy's just a winner. I mean, he's flat out a winner. He knows how to get it done when it matters. Yeah, I hope for his sake he's in the conversation and he gets to make the trip to New York for the – the ceremony and everything. Yeah, he deserves to be in the conversation. That, yeah, that, that would be cool. Yeah, I would give you that. That would be cool. If he's one of those guys, and I think that's probably where it may be is he gets the invite, doesn't win it, but I think that would be pretty cool. Me too. And that's where I think we're probably at. But he played well in the Notre Dame game. And if you know, you're trying to be a leader and a, a winner, he was fine. He did everything you'd want to see. He didn't do enough to make himself really stand out as a Heisman candidate. I don't think, you know, he would have had to that, yeah, I, I, really I agree. put some throws out there that he, he didn't quite do. So anyway, you uh, might've noticed that former Ohio state and current Jacksonville Jaguars coach urban Meyer has been in the news this week. 73% hmm. of college ADs told Brett McMurphy, they would not consider hiring urban Meyer if they needed a coach in 2022 quote, not in a million Liars. years. One power five AD said, only 15% of the ADs in the Power Five conferences said they would consider hiring Meyer, according to McMurphy. Skinny, what do you make of Urban Meyer's recent transgressions and his future as a football coach? I had a conversation with some people about this yesterday. You know what I honestly think? I think he's trying to get fired. I, I mean that. I really mean that. I think he's trying to get fired. I think he's miserable. Um, I, I relate this on our podcast, I think, after the Bengals game. Um, you know, he's so just he's so out there, so driven, so focused. And I believe that part of it. I mean, it's a very driven, focused guy who's football, 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 strip club, football, 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 football. Um, that um Jeremy Fowler from ESPN said hello to him, and he took like five or six extra steps before it finally dawned on him that somebody said hello, and he just turned around and said, Oh, hey Jeremy, how are you? and kept on walking. I thought that was very odd. That was just an odd exchange. You know, it, it, it took that long for it to register in your mind. Um, yeah, I honestly, I think he's trying to get fired. I really believe that, that he's just that miserable. And it's it's not going to take long. I mean, a few more losses. The whole locker room's good. The whole locker room's probably, they're already laughing at him. I don't know if you saw a couple of stories where How players admitted when he went in and apologized. That as soon as he walked out of the room, they all laughed at him. <laughs> I mean, he honestly would have been better off just getting up there and go, guys, there's a video out about me at a, at a club. Yep, you know what? I did it. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that I did it. And and they would have probably said, okay. The, the most damning thing to me, though, is not flying back with your team. I mean, you got to be kidding me, man. Not See, flying I, back with your team? Come is that, on. Is that really that big of a thing? Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. Absolutely is. I, I guarantee you it is. Well, especially then... Well, especially then when when the, when the video surfaces of wait he can't fly back with us and that's what he's doing to hell with him man what, what he's having us come into meetings at this time. screw him man nope I'm telling you that that's what lost all credibility for him 
Interesting. Heartbreak, uh, heartbreaking for those guys in the locker room. I'm so sorry, but you know, hey guys, see you later. Have a good trip back to Jacksonville. I'm gonna go up to I'm gonna go up to to Columbus. See ya. Nah, that don't fly, man. That does not fly. Really, I, and like honestly, I'm I'm being sincere here. I'm not like trying to play devil's advocate. No, I know. I'm just coming from college, I would imagine that's a pretty common thing. You go recruit after a game. I, I, that's right. Like, but, I mean, yes, yes, and I think I think players understand that part of it. Okay, but so this maybe, is this. I wonder if yeah, that's this just is like a college to NFL thing where he doesn't understand. Yeah. Like, hey, you're not. But I because I've I've thought that was a common thing that like you know, I mean, coaches are millionaires they could fly private wherever they want so if they had like a thursday game i could see them saying like oh yeah i'm gonna stay home and fly privately later or something i don't i don't know i it didn't that did not seem like a problem or an issue to me i thought that was pretty common that being said um i think this whole thing is like weirdly being blown out of proportion not from a jacksonville perspective i understand why jacksonville's like yo what are you doing you're getting your ass beat and this is not a good look for our head coach i understand why jacksonville would not be happy with him I am shocked by all the outside people like the media members and now the college athletic directors that are talking to Brett McFurphy, which, by the way, they're all lying. They're all liars. Absolutely lying. They're all saying that because Urban Meyer doesn't want to coach for them and he's not available and they don't have a job open right now. Because if they did, they would be trying to figure out what his next move is. Yeah. And that, and trust me, that's the 15 that's the 15 percent that said they would hire him is the ones that have potential openings. I guarantee they would. Come on. We know they would. Yeah, of course. And like he goosed a girl in the club i i don't know i mean if we're worried about him being like abusive to women or something it might be one thing but that's i don't think that's what anyone's talking about they're just like urban meyer shouldn't be unfaithful to his wife I, which that seems to be between them for all i know they're swingers like that, i don't that's right right you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. everyone's acting like he's a horrible person because of this which i don't know that's the case he might be a bad guy for a lot of other reasons that we've seen in the past and i know a lot of people have their issues with him being the the holier than thou and and everything that him and shelly have done with the the text messages and all that but this doesn't seem to be something i want to get on like some moral soapbox about he was getting no i'm grinded on in in a club after a few drinks and then he was goosing somebody which you know not my move but hey if you're a millionaire right. I, NFL I, coach I, I, and you stick your I, finger I, wherever you want, go for it. I, I think it's just, I think it's a it's lack of self awareness and like I said, I think it's B. Honestly, he doesn't care and he wants to get fired. Well, he didn't go, mind him. He want I think he wants to get fired. Let me go back to that for a second. It, are are we can we go bigger picture with the conspiracy theory here and think that he planted the videographers in the pint house to be like, yeah, catch me doing this so we can get out of the Jacksonville Maybe. gig. Maybe. How sweet would that be? That would be galaxy brain move by Urban Meyer. No, right. Like, I really want to take this USC job, but I can't do it just yet. Could you maybe? Uh, no. Take a video of me. Uh, dude, how, I, I don't think I don't think you're far off base, Rick. I really don't. How weird is it that his wife is like favoriting all these tweets about it and stuff? I mean, I, I, I said I it doesn't it wouldn't shock me. I I think he realized a couple of games into this gig. Damn, you cannot win right now with this team and I ain't taking a losing. I can't do it. I cannot do this. Well, I can't and imagine. If you, and, if, and if you quit, you're walking away from a boatload of coin. And yes, you probably would make a boatload of coin from, from USC after this fact. But how about you figure out a way to get fired, still get a boatload of coin, and then go to USC and get more coin? Not a bad way to do it. Uh-uh. That's a way to turn Shelly's frown upside down, isn't it? <laughs> nature stone, baby. I'm going to get me some nature stone. Somebody uh, sent in some over-under questions on Urban Meyer for the Ask Any Anything segment, but it's probably good to bring them up right now. He wants to know... Uh, NFL coaching gaffes off-field related. He's setting it at over one and a half. Do you think Urban will have another off-the-field moment here this year? Or, I do. I, I do. I, I think. I think. I don't know if it'll be off the field, but I, I think you'll see him go go absolutely ape 
blank on the sidelines of a game. Something's going to happen where it's just going to set him off and the fuse is going to go crazy and he's going to look like a complete nutter ass clown. I can, I, I can just see it coming. He's got to start rubbing the temples and acting like he's having headaches. That always helps too. <laughs> yeah, the, the health, the health. He's always got the health issue to, to yeah. fall back on. He hasn't done that one yet. Yeah, NFL wins one and a half over or under. For uh, for him this year, I'm going under because I don't think he lasts very much longer. Uh, games coached twelve and a half. Yeah, I set it at seven with some friends. Oh, okay. I'm All going right. under. All right, college football jobs in the next three and a half years. At point five, <laughs> over, <laughs> over. I mean, that's a no. Bra- Everyone knows he's going to be back in college. That's what's so great about all this. Yeah, no, uh, no question. And that's the funny thing. It's like you're a guy who takes yourself so serious. You've been so successful, and then you go up to this NFL level, and these players are just looking at you, not listening, and laughing at you. Right. You know, I mean, like I imagine he does hate it. I imagine he does want to get back out. TV media jobs in the next three and a half years over under point five. Um, I'm going to go under, I will say that, that, that what took place in the club probably doesn't help him in that regard to get that cushy in between TV job. And truth be told, I do think that I think he's USC's coach come next season. I really believe that I do too. Divorce announcement, six months, <laughs> uh, which way would I have to go to say that it's not going to happen? I'll, I'll, I guess it would be oh, is it over, over the right yeah, answer to that. Over yeah, six okay, months over. Then, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Tim Tebow prayers over under 10. Said for Urban, he's already said he's already probably said double digits for him. He's already so. prayed a whole rosary. Are you kidding? Yeah, there's yeah, there's no question. Yeah, that's, that's way over, way over for his coach. <laughs> All right, let's get into that's our good. That I love good. that. We'll get into our betting segment here. Uh, last week I went eight and six. You went six and eight. That brings us to twenty four and twenty two and twenty nine and seventeen respectively. And we'll start Thursday night, 8.20 p.m. We've got the Rams at the Seahawks. The Rams are a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and the total is 54 and the hook. I, I've got a bet with my friend Paul Dana. We take three coaches every year that we think are going to be fired first. <laughs> it's part of a, a wager that he and I have. We're, we're, we're macabre like that, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Um, and I actually picked Pete Carroll as kind of my dark horse, thinking that Pete was going to get off to a bad start and he was going to walk away. Um, and, and they should be sitting in one and three right now, and they're somehow two and two. Um I'm going to take the Rams game last week and just say that's more of a tip of the cap to the Cardinals being that much better and maybe catching the Rams a bit off guard. I still think the Rams are one of the three to five best teams in the NFL. I know the 12th man and all that stuff, but I think this is a good bounce back spot for the Rams. I'm going to go Rams, Rams 31, Seattle 27. So the Rams and the over for me. (laughs) That's exactly what I have the score at 31, 27 as well. (laughs) Head on. Um, so the only thing that concerns me about this is you mentioned the Cardinals last week. And when you look at the Seahawks offense, it, they can kind of do what the Cardinals do, right? You have similar court. Russell Wilson is kind of the older version of right. Kyler Murray, not quite as That's athletic right, right. anymore, but you, you got some similarities there in terms of how they do things offensively. And I think you saw the Cardinals exploit some things there against the Rams and get away from that pass rush a little bit. So I'll be interested. I was just surprised. I was surprised. That, I was surprised they ran it that well on them. I really I was. was. Too. I was too, but uh, I'm with you that I think it's a, it's a bounce back game for the Rams. I think it'll be close, but uh, they'll, they'll win in the shootout. That and, takes and, the, us- and the Rams and the Rams were minus two in turnovers. I mean, you lose minus two in turnovers in the league usually. You it lose. does not bode well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Friday, 7 p.m. Cincinnati will take on Temple. It, that's in Cincinnati, by the way. Cincinnati is a 29 point favorite. The total is 54. 
Yeah, I'm all over Temple in this one to cover. Um, they they you know they got off to a terrible start, got punished by Rutgers, and, and lost to what's becoming a really good Boston College team. But uh, you know they they come back and get a nice win last week against Memphis. I think Temple's Temple will get some offense in this game. I think letdowns are real. I you know I've talked about. I don't know why they're real, how to fix them from not being real, but they're real. And UC is going to have a bit of a letdown. They just are. They're still more than comfortably going to win this game. But I'm going to go Bearcats. I'll go about Bearcats forty to twenty one in this one. So it's Temple in the over for me. Wow. So UC's defense giving up twenty one to Temple is something mm-hmm. that I just. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, I just see a letdown. I, it just, it just is. They're, they're real, and, and even with the letdown, they're still that much better. I'm totally with you on the. I mean, letdown. I'm talking about a let, I'm talking about a letdown, and they're going to win by three touchdowns. <laughs> right, right. No, I'm totally with you. I, I could totally see this being a sloppy first half where they struggle to get out of the gate, and they're only up like, you know, seven to three, or Temple's up ten to seven at halftime, or something weird like that. Could totally see it. I wish I, I was looking through some of the the books this morning. I don't see anyone that'll let me bet the second half of this game before it starts. Really? Because that's what I'd really like to do. I'd like to bet UC second half and put a ton of money on it because I could see them getting off to that slow start. Yeah, remember slug, the, and then the Murray, just, yeah, the, remember the Murray game. I mean, seven, seven at the half with Murray. I mean, really? Exactly. With and Murray. The, and then they score, you know, five or six touchdowns in right, the second half, right. probably. I would love to bet on that. I haven't seen it available at any of the books yet, only first half spreads and first quarters. And I'm not as confident that Temple is necessarily going to cover that first half. So I'm not going on that, but I will go UC 42 temple 10 by the end of the game. I just think the defense will hold them in check enough and their offense will get rolled in the second half. So UC will cover and the under will hit for me. That brings us to Saturday at noon. We've got Maryland at Ohio state. Ohio state is a 21 point favorite and the total is 71. Jeez, big total. Yeah. Did did, did the light bulb go off for Ohio state with that Akron game? You got to think it did right. Where they just kind of got the get right and then took the get right game and rolled it into Rutgers. I mean, don't forget the week before Rutgers went to Michigan and lost by what I think eight, 21, 13, or maybe even 21, 17. I mean, they played Michigan pretty darn tough. Yeah. Um, Ohio state went up there and and they just, they beat the tar out of them from jump street um, on Saturday. I know you can argue it's just Rutgers, but you know, this is a better Rutgers team. And, And like I said, played Michigan tough. So it makes me wonder, did the Akron game, the light bulb finally go on for this Ohio state team I, I think it does and it did um and they've got a stretch of games here this one and then indiana coming up next before they play penn state to continue rolling um name the score i'm gonna go ohio state i'll go ohio state 52 maryland maryland 17 so it stays under the 70 plus for me yeah i'm gonna stay well under that 70 as well that just ohio state can score but that just seems like a ton and this maryland team is not good at all uh their quarterback was a disaster last week. It's Tua's little brother. He threw like yep. five interceptions or something. I bet on yeah, him. Turn, I, think they, I, think they had, yeah, I think they had seven turnovers in that game. Yeah, it was ugly. I, I uh, was watching it through my fingers. Ohio State 45, Maryland 14 is what I'm going with. So yeah. OSU and the under for me as well. That brings us to Saturday at 3 p.m. or 3.30 p.m. rather. Miami is at Eastern Michigan. The Redhawks are a one and a half point favorite and the total is 59. Boy, you and I both could not have been more wrong about how, last how week about with that? them in Central Michigan. I know. They brought in the um, boy, though. They did. AJ uh, Mayer. Yep, AJ Mayer came in and saved the day. Um, I'm still going to go Eastern Michigan here. Their, their two losses were at Wisconsin and at Northern Illinois last week. They lost by seven. They're 2-0 at home. 
Um, they didn't play anybody really. Texas State, they beat the tar out of in St. Francis of Pennsylvania. They beat the tar out of. I'm going with this because one of the kids who played AAU basketball for me is a, is a, uh, covers kickoffs. He's a freshman there, Bryson Huddleston from Highlands. So I'm going to go Eastern Michigan. I, he causes a fumble on a kickoff. Nice. It leads to a, a touchdown early. And I'm going to go Eastern Michigan. I go Eastern Michigan 27 23. So Eastern Michigan outright. And that stays right at the total, right? That stays under. No, it stays under the total. Yeah. 27 yeah. 23 Eastern Michigan. Yep. You got it right at 50 and it's uh, 59 total there. So I, what I love about that is um, we just crush Miami all the time here on this show. I know. I, I don't, and I don't, that, I don't, like, I don't I'm mean to. Eastern Michigan again. I know. I do mean to usually, um, but yeah, it's still, fun. I know you do. Um, I'm actually going to go Miami in this time. I'm tired of getting burnt by them. I've, over the last three years, if you actually look at me betting against Miami as much as I have, that's probably where I've lost most of my points in this betting thing we have going on because I bet against them every time and I feel like they burn me a lot. So I'm going Miami to win this outright uh, and cover the spread 28, 24 Red Hawks, Miami and the under for me. And uh, if I'm being honest, I won't watch a second of it and I don't care what happens. So there you go. Uh, Saturday (laughs) at 730 LSU at Kentucky. The Wildcats are three and a half point favorites coming off that big win over Florida. The total is 51. I can't not take Kentucky here, man. I know that's probably again my heart speaking like it spoke in the Florida game, but I I think that you know uh, it, it wasn't pretty. The offense is is still not the electric offense we thought it was going to be when when the season started and the way they played early. Um, they still have Wandell Robinson making plays though on the perimeter. They still have Chris Rodriguez running the ball. Um, the defense, when it has had to play well, has played well. It's gotten healthy again. LSU's played two road games so far, got punished at UCLA, and I'm not even sure how good they are, and then hung on to beat Mississippi State. they coming off a loss to Auburn when they were scuffling and trying to figure out their quarterback. Um, LSU just, I mean, we're, we're not, this is now a, a, almost a two-year run for them since the national championship where they've just been meh. I mean, they're basically a 500 team. I don't think they're all that good. Honestly, I think Kentucky has better players. I think Kentucky's they the are. better team. They are better. And I think I'm going to go Kentucky. I'm going to go Kentucky, Kentucky 27-20. So Kentucky in the under. UK and the under. I like UK and the over here. I'm going Kentucky 28, LSU 24. And Skinny, I'm, I'm to the point with this where I know it's LSU. I know it's the SEC. I know we're still talking Kentucky football, but I would say this would be kind of a letdown if UK let this one get away. I think LSU is bad, and they've got a coach who's on his way out and really can't seem to do anything to stop the bleeding at this point. Like, I would be upset with Kentucky, especially their defense, if they gave this one away. Yeah, I, I would too. Um, I, I know you could argue there's a little look-ahead factor because they go to Georgia next week for a nationally televised game on CBS with, you know, obviously a chance to be undefeated and everything on the line. They're not going to go beat Georgia, mind you. But that still lingers a little bit. But I still think they know who LSU is. Yeah. They, they know what this win would mean to set up that showdown with Georgia. So I, I don't think you'll see any of that peeking ahead stuff. And I do think, I'm still waiting for this offense to put it all together because I think they have all the pieces in place to do so. They just haven't done it yet. And yet I say that and they're sitting at five and zero and three and zero in the league for goodness sake. So um, I do. I just think they're the better team than LSU. I think LSU, they get Orgeron's jobs in, in jeopardy when the season comes to an end because they're just, they're, they're, there's something there that's just they they're, they, they're missing dudes. Yeah, you don't need to think. It is 100% in jeopardy. The question is, does he make it to the end of the season at this point, the way they're going? I mean, yeah, good point. their fan yeah. base is done with him. That that national championship in Joe Burrow, long in the rear view at this point. The, the honeymoon it, is over with. It Joe really Joe. is. Yeah, they are. They are. No, I think up. you're right. It really is. Yeah, definitely. Sunday, one o'clock, you got Packers minus three at the Bengals. 51 and a half is the total. 
I know everybody's looking for a shootout here, and I'm not. I know I'm going to be in the minority by far. I, I do think this Bengals defense is for real. Um, I just I, I'm I don't know where the off what the offense is yet. I just don't. Um, and I know that goes counter to what I talked about earlier. But I but I don't know what it is yet, and I don't know what it's going to be against a Green Bay team. I, I'm going to go Packers to win this one, 23-20. So that's right on the number. Dad, going is it three and a half or three? So yeah, right, you're right. Let me, let me let's go. I'll go twenty three twenty one Green Bay. I'll go the Bengals to cover Green Bay to win it, and it stays under. There you go. So Bengals on the cover and the under. I like Packers twenty seven, Bengals twenty one. So Packers and the under. Um, so you think I, under two? Yeah, I, I definitely think under. I the, the way the Bengals play, unless they drastically change their style, I don't think this game is getting to fifty as a total. Yeah, I don't either. I, 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 I think the Bengals' defense is for real. I, I really do. I think they, they, they're not shutting Aaron Rodgers down by any stretch of the imagination. But I think they'll, they'll slow him down. I, I do think that. Yeah, I agree. And, and I also think they'll be conservative on offense and waste the first half probably, and they'll limit the Packers somewhat in that way. Sunday, 8.20 p.m. Be down, be down 10 to 3 at halftime. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I expect. 14-3, 10 to 3, somewhere in that number. Sunday at 8.20 p.m., we got Bills at Chiefs. Chiefs are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. 56-and-a-half is the total. This is a good one. I'm looking forward to this game. This is a great This is a great one because Buffalo, since that somehow disaster in the opener, have just opened up the floodgates on people. They are so good offensively, and their defense is causing turnovers. But this is still Pat Mahomes in primetime, man. I, I, it's hard for me. And, and, and look, they've gotten off to a rocky start, but they're still – doing some really good things on offense. This this has got shootout written all over it, in my opinion. I'm going to go Kansas City 37-34, so the Chiefs and the over for me here. Chiefs and the over. I'm on the Chiefs and the over as well, and I'm the I'm a huge Bills guy. I love this Bills team. I loved them last year. I think they're I do too. better than the Chiefs this year, quite honestly, but the Chiefs need this game bad. Yes. And yes. like you said, it's still Pat Mahomes. It's still prime time. You know, the Bills will be fine even if they lose this game. I don't know if the Chiefs will. It just feels like there's more on the line here for the Chiefs and, and Mahomes, and I'm going to roll with that. But I'm expecting a really fun game. I am too. I think it's going to be great. We're both on Chiefs in the over there. That takes us to Monday night, 8.15 p.m. We've got Colts at Ravens. The Ravens are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 45. Hey, Lamar Jackson really threw the ball well, and it's amazing when his wide receivers can catch it for him, which they didn't do up in Detroit the week before um, when they won on that 66-yard field goal. But, you know, I'm a big believer in Frank Reich. I, I, I think he's a really good coach. They got off to a bad start, came up with a nice win in Miami. Their defense is pretty sound. Jonathan Taylor's running it. I, I don't think they win this game, but you're going to give me a full touchdown. I know it's on the road and all. I think it's a low-scoring game. I'll go Baltimore 20-17, to so give me Indy with the cover and the under. Wow. Uh, I disagree with you here. I, I think Indy sucks. I'm going to go Ravens 27, Colts 14. So I've got Ravens in the under. And that brings us to Ask Any Anything, where we have a couple questions to get to. We talked about the Urban Meyer over-unders already. That was, a, that, that was a great one. That was a good question. We also have a sports question. We keep saying Paul and Bob need to sell the teams. The Bengals and the Reds have the second 2.3 billion and fourth 1.1 billion, respectively, lowest franchise values in their leagues. If everyone has a price, why hasn't someone else stepped up and made an attempt to take over? 
So, so and I think that's a great question. I think that's part of when we ask these guys to sell, you, there's also got to be a buyer for it, right? Um, and when you see team valuations, does that mean that you're going to make money on top of it? Um, or is that just what the franchise is worth? And so when the buyers come in and they think that, hey, I don't want to lose money, even though my franchise is going to go up in value, um, you know, I, I, I want to make some money doing this venture. Uh, I think that's why you, you, you don't see that. And I think the other thing is, I, I, you know, he's a stubborn old guy who doesn't want to sell. So no matter how you slice it, I mean, I think there's two things in players. A, he doesn't want to sell. Uh, and B, uh, you know, is, is this really a great franchise to buy? What about the Reds? Um, say, I think the same way. That's what, that's what I think. I I don't think it's about them. I don't think it's about a lack of a buyer. I think it's about neither of them, neither family wants to sell. Right. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, I think that's the really big part of it. Yeah. I think they see themselves as good owners and families that want to win and, and know what they're doing, even though it's been proven otherwise. I, yeah. And I'm sorry. I, I was, I was talking about the Reds first. I'm sorry about that, Rick. So, I mean, if you're talking about the Bengals part of it, I mean, you make money hand over fist, in the NFL, they ain't selling. I mean, they ain't selling. Yeah, you got you're in a salary cap sport as well. Yeah, no. So I, I think that's the bigger issue there is just that neither of these families are going to sell because they're making a ton of money. I see. I don't know if the Reds are. I really don't. I know the valuation says that says that the value of the franchise is, but man, when you look at what attendance was this year, I I can't imagine the Reds are making much money. I can't. Well, if you keep cutting payroll, I imagine you you figure well, out a maybe way to there. keep the bottom line up. When was a period when the local sports portfolio, professional and college, was collectively performing the best? I mean, it has to be the, the mid-70s to me. Um, you know, you have the Bengals in 75 were arguably, arguably the second best team in the NFL. Unfortunately, they played in the same division with the team that was the best, which was the Steelers. Bengals went 10-4 and four that year, lost to the Steelers twice. Um, and made the playoffs and then lost to Oakland 31-28 in a playoff game. And, of course, that was the heyday of the Big Red Machine. UC basketball was kind of in the Gail Catlett era when they were making NCAA tournaments. Um, Xavier wasn't so good back then, though. So um, Kentucky obviously went to a Final Four, if you want to count them in the mix in 75. The 76 Kentucky team went to the Peach Bowl, and the 77 Kentucky team went 10-1. and um, UC might have gone to a bowl game in there somewhere, too. I guess for me it would be that. Maybe... Maybe late 80s into 90s when the Bengals were coming off the Super Bowl in 88 and then still really relevant in 89 and 90. Obviously, the Reds then won a championship. That was kind of the start of the Hugs era. Yeah. Uh, when they Xavier started turning things around. Xavier with Byron. I mean, Ooh, you, it might yeah, be. You, yeah, you may go there. Yeah. Yeah. It might be like that last, that maybe like 88 into 92 or something like that. Yeah. And, and like if that. you want to throw, again, if you want to count Kentucky in the mix, that's the, you know, the, the Rick Patino era was beginning then. And you obviously got things turned around very quickly at Kentucky as well. Um, Ohio State's always relevant in football, so we want to count them in. And Ohio State in basketball, I, I believe that was the Jim Jackson era, so that was pretty good. So yeah, I'm gonna go. That's probably the, the frame, 88 to 92 ish. Yeah, I think that's that's the winner right there. Uh, do you predict more good or bad days ahead for the sports scene in the city? Uh, oh man, I, I'm gonna go good because I think UC basketball and Xavier basketball are always relevant. And UC's, you know, Wes Miller seems like he's off to a nice start, at least from kind of getting things back on track. UC football, I mean, as great as the Brian Kelly era was, these these days are far better, especially because they're going in the Big 12 on top of it. I think the Bengals are slowly turning things around. I think they've got, they've, they, they've taken the talent void that was there and they've done a good job replenishing that. Um, um, 
And, and, you know, I'm not predicting a playoff team this year, but I don't think they're all that far off. And the Reds, I mean, it wasn't like they were sub 500 this year. And, and if they can add a piece or two, then I think they stay around and be, be extremely relevant next year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd say better. I'd, I'd say good days are ahead. I would say good too. I mean, that's kind of crazy as a Cincinnati I mean, sports well, fan, do we, knowing how well, things I, and, unfold. And, and, <laughs> and but, I'm so sorry. I forgot to include FC Cincinnati in there. Oh, my Lance. Oh, how could they, I forget new about them? New Got GM. A new GM. He's going to change things around. Hey, right. let, let, listen. If you're talking about in that vein, things can only go up for that, that moribund franchise. Hey, now they know what they're doing. Yeah, now finally. they figured it yes. out. Don't worry. Oh, a real I, GM. Who knows? Everything under control at this point. Jeff yeah. Bergen is a clown. I would actually agree with you that it, it is going to be good days ahead, too. And the main reason is... I can't really remember a time I was more excited about young talent with the Bengals. It's obvious you got Burrow, Chase, uh, Jonah Williams looks awesome. I, I'm really Logan excited. Wilson. About, yeah, I'm really excited about what they're putting together. And then even with the Reds, you got Barrero, you've got India, then you've got the two pitchers down uh, that are waiting to come up in Hunter and Lodolo. There's some excitement there, even with the way the Reds finish. Now I I'm, don't have a ton of faith in what they're going to do in the offseason, the team they're going to put around those guys. But I'm at least excited about the young talent coming up, that there's a chance that they could build something. So I'll actually piggyback you on that and, and go with good days. Yeah, no, good days are good. I think I think they are good days. And finally, are you guys betting on the Wilder Fury fight Saturday night? I'm, I'm not. I'm going to defer to you on that one. Um, yeah, I am not. I, I, I've, I've not bet on a boxing match since probably 1985. I did that through my uncle through a bookmaker. I will not be betting on it, I don't think, unless there's like some type of prop I like. But the issue with it is, I watched the last fight. Fury dominated. I don't think that's probably going to change, and he's going to be a heavy favorite. So there's not much value in betting on Tyson Fury in this fight, and I'm not taking my chance on Deontay Wilder winning. I just don't think that's going to happen. He got dominated. So we'll see. I hope Wilder puts up a better fight this time. I'm really looking forward to it. There is nothing like a legit heavyweight fight i mean as much as i enjoy the boxing watching these 150 pound dudes that can't knock each other out even if they hit each other square they just, they just wail away yeah it's not nearly as fun like these guys that actually have a chance to do damage every time they throw a punch those fights are really fun to watch so i'm anxious for it i'm looking forward to it i will be watching maybe if there's like some type of prop bet like fury getting a knockdown or or a knockout in a certain round maybe i'll look into that but probably not betting on it that's actually yeah, all I got. Could have made a fortune on Buster Douglas back in the day. Nope, all good stuff. Uh, appreciate everybody for listening. We'll be back uh, Sunday. Don't forget with our Bengals po- podcast post game. So we'll have that for you next. We'll be back with this podcast one week from today. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Weekly Pope Re Edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending.